You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast. I'm doing a Q&A episode, guys. So answering things like, should you consolidate your credit card debt, pay off your mortgage early, or invest your emergency savings funds? I'm answering those questions and more. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. I am back. And I'm back with a Q&A episode, a question and answer episode. It's been such a long time since I've been able to really do one of these. And the reason is it really takes me a, a little bit of time to source the questions and get the answers together. But I feel like I owe you this. I owe you more episodes where it's just me talking to you. And so I'm going to get into it. So this is episode 100. So if you want any of the episode show notes, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 100. And also follow me on social media. I say this every week because I want to keep in touch with you. I want to see what's going on. I want you to see what's happening with Journey to Launch in between episodes. So I'm at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now we're going to get into a variety of questions. And the first few questions I'm taking from members of the Launch Club. And so the Launch Club is my membership community for journeyers who really are taking their finances to the next level. So you love the content of this podcast. You love the community and the resources provided in the membership and the Launch Club to help you reach your goals. And so I'm taking a couple questions from there. Then we have a voicemail question. So let's just jump right into it. So the first question is from Pamela, who's in the Launch Club, and she asks, is a debt consolidation loan ever a good idea? Okay, that's a good question. And I actually get access a lot when it comes to those of you who are in the debt payoff stage and you have high interest rate debt and you're trying to get rid of it and trying to make beyond those monthly payments, the minimum monthly payments. And perhaps those minimum monthly payments are actually a lot based on the interest rate. And you want to get that down and try to pay off debt as soon as possible. So it depends, right? Most of my answers are always going to be it depends because every situation is different. So let's just review what debt consolidation is. And then I also want to talk about refinancing. And we're talking about this in as it relates to credit card debt, not student loans, but we're talking about credit card debt and the options of debt consolidation or refinancing. So typically, if you are trying to consolidate your credit cards, that's going to be done via a loan. It's like a personal loan where you're looking not to transfer money from one credit card to another like you would with a refinance, but you're actually taking out one loan to pay off that high interest rate debt. And ideally, this only makes sense if that new loan, this new personal loan is at a lower interest rate. And so it can be beneficial, but there are, going, there are going to be some caveats to that. Now, it needs to be a lower fixed interest rate um, and it will extend your payments. But you have to also make sure that it's going to be mathematically worth doing that, right? Because there, there will be some fees associated with a debt consolidation. So what are the origination fees? What's the 
repayment terms also. So your credit card debt is unsecured debt, meaning there's nothing really backing when this credit card uh, debt that you have. Now, if you're going to take out a personal loan, it's best that it's a personal loan also that's unsecured because you don't want to refinance or to debt consolidate into a loan that you are now putting more at risk if you don't pay this off, right? So it's best that whatever you're going to do, that it's going to also be an unsecured loan, which is typically a personal loan, which are actually harder to get if you want to go to a bank and get that. And there's also the option of taking out a home equity line or putting your house up. But the problem with that is that's a secured line of credit because your house is now on the hook if you can't pay that off. So the other option other than debt consolidation is also debt refinancing, which is really transferring your existing credit card payments or credit card balance to another credit card with a 0% interest rate or a lower interest rate. And a lot of cards have those promotions. If you transfer that money and then you pay it off, within a certain amount of months, 18 months, it's at 0%. And then after that 0% initial time frame, if you can't pay it off, it jumps right back up. So with either of these options, especially with this debt refinance slash transfer option, credit card to credit card transfer option, you have to ask yourself this. Has the habits that got you into the credit card debt changed? Are your money habits different? Is your mentality different? Because What's going to happen is if those things have not changed, if you still have not really taken stock of where you are and how you're spending and you're still spending on your credit cards, it doesn't matter whether you consolidate, you refinance or transfer to another balance because you're not going to be able to get out of the credit card debt. So before you make any of those moves, while yes, mathematically, it's going to make sense because if you're going to transfer a bunch of high interest rate loans into one lower interest rate loan, or if you're going to transfer one interest, a high interest loan to a 0% interest rate loan, mathematically, you will save on interest only if you could pay off that debt, right? And so if the habits have not changed, if you're still spending on the credit cards and you're not reining that in, it won't be beneficial. You're just basically delaying the inevitable. So I would challenge anyone who's in this situation to really come to terms with what has gotten them to where you are. So what has gotten you into this debt and have you stopped those actions? Can you stop those actions? Can you stop accumulating that debt? Can you get on a budget and a spending plan and then create a serious plan to pay off that debt? So if you are going to transfer credit card balances to get to 0%, then you really need a strong payoff debt strategy and you need to stick to it. So that way, when that 18 months or whatever that time frame is up, you would have paid off that debt. So the other question that I got is also from someone in a launch club. Mary asked, they basically just refinanced their house and they want to know if they should put extra money into the repayment of the home or if they should save it. And I love this question because I actually was faced with this question myself when I was looking at our plan to reach our goals and to become completely debt free. So, you know, paying off that mortgage. You know, I was saying, well, if we have extra money, should we just pay down our mortgage? So if we had an extra couple hundred dollars a month, should we put it towards the mortgage so we can get out of this mortgage earlier or should we invest it? Now, this is actually, again, all going to be dependent on your goals. And to me, this is actually a more emotional decision. I know mathematically that it would make more sense actually to not pay down your mortgage faster. So let me explain and like why that is mathematically usually that's going to make sense. So typically, 
your mortgage payment, your mortgage interest is going to be one of your lowest interest rate debts, right? So if it's like less than 5%, if it's like 4%, it's one of your lowest interest rate debts. So that same amount of money. So if you're paying extra money towards that debt at a lower interest rate, you can be paying or using that same money to invest in the investment market. So like in equities or index funds that will return you more than the 4% debt. So mathematically, you will earn more money investing that money versus paying on a debt. But for me, not everything is just a mathematical decision. A lot of things for me are emotional. And so you have to think what you feel comfortable doing, what lets you sleep good at night and a good balance. Now, because for a lot of people, their home mortgage is their highest. I mean, that's mostly everyone, right? Like where you live, whether it's rent or mortgage, it's going to be your highest expense in your budget. Ideally, I'd love and most people would love to just get rid of that as fast as possible, especially when you're looking at your financial independence life, right? So if you want to eventually quit your day job or travel or do something else, you're going to want to lower your monthly expenses as much as possible or have enough passive income or other income to help cover those expenses. And so for me, when I was looking at my life and where I wanted to be in five, 10 years, when I started this journey, I knew that I wanted to have, basically, I wanted my reoccurring expenses to be as low as possible, which meant I wanted to get rid of my mortgage. And as I started to look deeper into it, I said, what if there's a balance? What if there's a way I can do both? So I ended up refinancing from we my husband and I ended up refinancing from our 30 year mortgage into a 15 year mortgage, which for me, if what that meant was if we made just the minimum payments on our 15 year mortgage, we now would be out of debt way earlier than we would if we would have kept our 30 year mortgage. And while our monthly payments did go up slightly, so it did increase a little bit overall over the time of the loan from the 15 year versus the 30 year, we were paying less interest. And then on top of that, instead of actually putting money, so we made the decision, instead of actually putting extra money towards the mortgage, what we would do is invest that money instead because mathematically it made more sense to invest that money over time. And then when maybe in 10, 15 years, as that money accumulated with growth from the market returns, we could make a decision to pay off our mortgage in one shot. Because if you think about it, if you're putting money towards your mortgage every month to pay down early, and something happens, your equity in your home is not very liquid, right? You would have to then either sell your home to get that money or to take out a home equity line to get to access that equity if there is an emergency. Now, if you are not concerned about that, if you're pretty secure and stable where you are and for the next five, 10 years, then you might say, well, that that doesn't matter. I just wanna see that mortgage balance go down as I go along this path. It motivates me, it makes me feel good, then do that. For me, I knew that, you know what, I want access to this equity money whenever I need it and want it, should that be the case. Especially since, you know, I knew I was going to leave my job. I wanted to have access to funds in case of an emergency, right? In case of now that we didn't have two stable incomes, we only now have my husband's income. I wanted to make sure that if anything happened, we, that extra money we could tap into. So I'd say it's a it's definitely a decision that is all your own, but to consider the things like the mathematical decision, how much money uh, could you save over time by investing that instead of paying down your mortgage. So not necessarily how much you can save over time, but how much more you can make over time versus paying it off. But then, you know, if you are motivated by seeing that mortgage go down and you do have a healthy 
savings account in case of an emergency, then potentially, yes, you can also pay down your mortgage directly early. Or in the case, I found a happy medium to do both. We refinanced to a 15 year. So we shortened the, the amount of time we'd have a mortgage. And then we started to invest in index funds where now we can tap into that in five, 10 years and make the decision when the time comes to pay off our mortgage in one shot. Okay, I hope you are enjoying today's episode, but let me just take a quick, quick moment to tell you about today's sponsor, Gusto. You witnessed my journey to uplevel my life, my finances, and now you're actually watching me uplevel my business. I went from being an employee to being self-employed, and the next step is becoming an employer. Hiring people to not only help me bring my vision to life, but give them opportunities and outlets to help them support themselves, their families, and their own dreams. And so I'm always looking for tools and ways in which I can effectively run my business. So if you have a business or you know someone who does, you probably know that small business owners wear lots of hats. And some of those hats are totally great, but some like filing taxes and running payroll, for example, are not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing benefits and simple management tools all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Hello. So for my journeyer business owners, now you can get three months free when you run your first payroll. Try a demo and see it for yourself at gusto.com slash journey. Once again, that's gusto.com slash journey for three months free. All right, let's get back into this episode. Okay. This next one is a voicemail question. So, you know, you guys can actually send me a voicemail and questions and you can possibly hear it on the show. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash voicemail. Hi, Jamila. Thank you for all that you do with Journey to Launch. I'm obsessed with your podcast. My question slash comment is I have a 401k with my job, but they don't contribute or match. So my first question is, isn't that just essentially a savings account? And then two, what are some alternate resources I can use for 401k that would gain better interest? That's pre-taxed. All right. Thanks, Krista, for sending in that voicemail. And here is what I think. So Essentially, your 401k, if they are not matching you, that sucks. But if they are not matching you, the benefit of still using and investing in your 401k is that you can in, you can invest more in a 401k. So 401k um, for 2019, the limit that you can invest is 19000 your contributions, right? If you decided that you did not want to invest in your 401k, you could also then directly invest in a IRA. But the limit on the IRA is you can invest 6000 So it's much less than what you can invest in a 401k. But here are the things I want you to go check out and consider when looking at your 401k is that, you know, what are the fees like? Are the fees reasonable? Are they low? I would say that's going to be highly important because if the fees are high and you don't have great options um, that are actually giving you a good return, then that basically is going to eat away at whatever you're putting in there over time, those returns that you're making on your own portfolio. So just 
ask questions or log in, see what the fees are for that 401k and if it has good options. And when I say good options, I mean that there is a diversity of options. Um, do you have some index funds that you can um, do? Are there options to where the fees are low? So the biggest thing to take away from this is that do you have options that are good in your 401k? If not, you may want to look at opening just a regular traditional IRA outside of your company if you are limited to what you can invest in there. Okay, so Erica from the Launch Club has this question about basically having six months of emergency funds saved. First of all, that's amazing. And wondering if she should keep it in her high interest online savings account or invest it because, you know, just in general, that is a question that comes up often is you have a chunk of money, but it's in a high yield savings account, which is great because it's better than it being in a traditional account that earns less. But can you invest that money instead of it just sitting there, maybe earning only 2%? Can you, you can get more returns in the market. Okay. Here's how I feel about that. I have a couple questions. When someone comes to me with a question like this is, how stable is your job? Which is almost a laughable question because no job is 100% stable. But for the most part, some jobs are more, a little more stable than others, I'd say. Like you kind of know, maybe hopefully, if there are some restructures in your company and you might not have a job next week some most or next month. Some people, you kind of have that feeling you know that or you know that you actually want to leave and pursue something. So you're voluntarily going to leave. But let's just say, you know, you've been in your job for a while, you know that it's pretty stable or you have a backup plan if something should happen. Because at the end of the day, what's the worst case scenario? Because if you lost your job and you needed your emergency fund, like how long would you, it would take for you to find another job, right? So worst case scenario, if it took you a long time, depending on your industry or where you live, then maybe you do want to keep more cash on hand for an emergency, but if you feel pretty confident that your skill set versus the market versus just how secure you feel that you can actually have less, right? You can have less in an emergency fund, maybe three months instead of six months and invest the additional three months that you had in the market. And with that, I also wouldn't necessarily be 100% like aggressive and invested in one stock, right? Like, which I would never like suggest anyway. But perhaps then, you know, you are investing it in a index fund, something that is more diverse because therefore it can not only earn more money in the markets, but then it is also not too risky because you just want to make sure also that if there is, say, a market dip, right, none of us can really predict per se when the market is going to downturn or, or crash, right? It's going to happen. It always happens, but we don't know when that's going to be. So if that say that does happen, let's just say that there is a market decline or crash and so the money that you just put in to index funds, you know, your three month emergency fund that you just transferred to index funds, it, it kind of goes down, right? Can you write that out? Because the thing about it is it's not a loss unless you sell what those market downturns. It's not, it's not a loss unless you sell. So in that case, if you can write out that market dip, you still have your job. Hopefully, hopefully everyone still has a job and you're not in a position where you don't have this money now and you're you know going into debt or you're trying to cover your lifestyle then you'd be okay then to take some of that money and invest it now i'm not saying all of it you still want to hold some back like three months in case of a, a big emergency or job loss but i would feel comfortable myself speaking depending on my job stability and outlook on just where i see myself taking that additional three months and investing it to get a higher return Okay, I'm going to take some questions now that I got via 
Instagram messaging. And so did not take down this person's name. So hopefully you still listen. But this was in regards to a thrift savings account. So the question was about thrift savings accounts, how they work and how they compare to other employer retirement savings and investing plans and the pros and cons of rolling the TSP over uh, if you leave your federal government job or want to retire early. Okay, so first let's get into what a thrift savings plan is. So a thrift saving plan, TSP, is a defined contribution retirement plan for federal employees and members of uniformed services. So it gives you the same kind of retirement saving benefits offered to workers in the private sectors who would have access to a 401k and individual retirement accounts like an IRA. So it's essentially the same thing. It's a pre-tax retirement account. The benefit to just having it is if you have it, typically, you know, you can invest just as much as you would in a 401k um, at 19,000 in terms of what you can contribute. Now, the question asked here is what if you want to basically leave it in? Let's say you want you you're leaving your federal government job. Do you leave your money in the TSP or do you roll it over? Now, this actually this the answer to this is going to be same with anyone leaving a job and wondering what they should do with that money in their old 401k. Um, so, you know, the options are you can leave it, right? You can leave it in your TSP account and just monitor it from like there, right? Like, so let's say you you actually do get hired somewhere else, not in a federal government job, somewhere just in a private sector. And, you know, you can leave it in your TSP account. And now maybe you have two, four, you know, you have this TSP account and you have now your new employer 401k, which would require you to kind of log into two different systems to kind of check up on it. So you can leave it there or you can roll it, roll it over. So you can roll it over into your new employer's 401k plan or into a completely different IRA. So let's just say you didn't get hired by anywhere else. You retired early and you're living your life. You can then roll it into a IRA. And this is the case for any rollover. So if you're rolling over a pre-tax retirement plan, like a 401k or TSP, it needs to be rolled into a IRA, which is also pre-tax. So it needs to be like for like in order to not get taxed. Same way if you have something like a Roth TSP, which is after-tax contributions that made or a Roth 401k, that needs to be rolled into a Roth IRA because that's an after-tax account, right? So like for like, that's how you're rolling it over. So the TSP typically has limited investment options, uh, so you want to make sure that you still you you still like the options that you have, even if you left your company. Um, and you also want to make sure that the fees are low. Like typically the TSP fees are low. So you can do some comparison. You can say, OK, if I roll this over into my new fund because I don't want to look at two accounts and I want to just manage one 401k or one IRA, then how are the fees? You know, is it beneficial just to keep it in the TSP? You don't mind um, just like kind of leaving it there, then leave it. But if you want everything in one place and the fees are great also in your new IRA or new 401k, then you can roll it. Okay, and this last question is also from Instagram. Latoya asked, um, you know, she had a backstory to this, but her general question was this, and I feel like this actually affects a lot of people, so I wanted to mention it. She essentially said that she was invited to a wedding with family members, and it's out of town. It's, you know, it's going to cost her and her family, like her immediate family, her like husband and children, it's going to cost a lot of money for them to go. And it's going to mess up their or delay and kind of take them off track on their financial goals. And so she's telling her family no, but they are not liking that no, because they're looking at her 
Like, you know, you're supposed to come. It's a wedding and we're family. I see this all the time, you know, and it's unfortunate because when you are on this journey, a lot of times you don't have a lot of people in your real life that understand it, that are awakened to this new life of, you know, being fiscally responsible and delaying gratification. And so now you're, you know, it's great you're listening to this podcast and, you know, online, maybe you follow a lot of accounts like that help motivate you. But then when it's the real world and people are asking you out to eat, you know, going to dinner, or partying or celebrating or taking trips, the people that you actually hang out with are not in this realm. And so it's hard because they don't understand why you can't do something because they for so long have been dealing and using instant gratification to numb some of these th- these financial troubles and worries and all these things that accumulate when we're not doing the right thing with our money. So they don't understand like why you can't also, right? And it's a wedding and we're family. And my response to Latoya was this, and it's always going to be my response to everyone is that, listen, if something happens to you or to your money and finances, can you depend now on your family to give you money or to help you out? And so a lot of times you telling people no, it's okay to be selfish, especially when it comes to like prioritizing your family. Because at the end of the day, if you are not looking out for you, if you get in trouble now financially, who's going to look out for you if you're not looking out for you? And not only does it help you, but in the long run, it helps set boundaries like with your family. And I know that is like the like easier said than done answer, right? But this is what this journey is about, right? To do the things that you want to do in life journey is like to reach the heights that you want to like reach. It's going to take things being uncomfortable. It's going to take people not understanding you. And that's okay. Maybe they don't understand you today. Maybe they don't understand you right now. But when after a couple months or years, when they see the progress you're making, when they see the kind of heights that you're reaching because you're making these sacrifices, either they'll get on board then or they'll at least understand it. You don't know how many times it has happened to me where I do something and it's not even money related. I just do something or I there's something there's some situation in my life and no one understands it because they're not going through it or they don't get it. And then maybe five years later, they're like, oh, I totally get why you did that. Thank you. Like I'm now I'm in that situation and I get it. And so stand firm in your no. And yes, if there's maybe some some compromises, by the way, an invitation is not a summons. So just because someone invites you some somewhere, you have the option to say no. That's one. But two, let's just say you do want to go. You want to make this happen. Maybe the compromise for not your family members, like the extended family members, but the compromise for yourself and your immediate now nucleus family is maybe I will just go. Maybe, you know, I don't have to bring the husband and the kids because that four times is the expenses. But I'll go. Right. Because I actually really want to go and I can budget this and go. And so I can't bring everyone, but it's just me. Right. So it can be that kind of compromise that you make with yourself where you're not throwing your your finances off too much. Or it can just be a no. And you tell that person that, you know, you'd love to see them when they come to town um, or to do something separately with just you and them. Um, and this goes with for anything, whether it's going to a wedding or to a party or just something that does not fit in with your goals. It's okay to say no. And then once you do say no, you might need some reinforcement. Um, So, you know, make sure you're surrounding yourself, even if it's just virtually with people who get what you're doing, um, which is why it's so important to um, join communities and to follow people who are in the same boat as you, who get why you're doing what you're doing. Because I can't say it enough how important that is, how like that 
that support system around you that gets it, even if it's not in person, is important for you to stay really focused on determined because this is not an easy journey. Journeyers, this is not easy. You're going to have to make sacrifices. You're going to have to say no to things, but not always. And, you know, so one of the things to, that I find solace in and that I, I really like to tell people is that this is not meant to be a journey of deprivation, right? Like I'm not saying you can never like travel or do the things you want to do. Like actually, you know, if going to a wedding, even if it delays certain goals uh, for a couple months or a year, like that's not necessarily out the question, but you need to decide and you need to understand the opportunity cost for that. Because when it's all said and done, if you say, well, if I go to this wedding, it's going to throw off my debt payoff schedule by three months or four months or six months. But if you say that the return for you going to that wedding with your family and, and, and you're going to enjoy it and it's worth it to you and you know it, you know, the, you know what you're giving up by going, then make that decision and go. But the problem comes where you make decisions that you don't realize how it sets you back or how it impacts you in the long run. I'm really just trying to give you the tools to make decisions knowing how it impacts you. And so you can stand firm in your decision and take accountability for whatever that outcome is. Okay, so I think that's all the Q&A I'm going to do right now. As I uh, mentioned before, you probably get tired of me saying this by now, right? Like how much I just enjoy having you on this journey with me, seriously, because, you know, this is not a journey meant to necessarily be traveled alone. While we have our individual paths and starting points and roadblocks, it still helps when you have, you know, comrades, right? When you have people who get what you're doing. And so I feel like so many of you write me and you get it, you get the journey. And even though it might take you a while to get through certain stages of your journey, right? The debt-free stage and becoming even financially stable. Some of you may be still in that paycheck to paycheck cycle. You're still trying to get organized. And some of you are actually further ahead. You're further ahead than me. Like you've already reached financial independence or you are in the work flexibility stage like myself, where you can actually be more flexible with what you do for work. But regardless of what, it's still a journey that takes time um, and it's different stages in each to each one, to each level as you get up there. Now, I did want to do a little mini kind of, not a rant, but just wanted to reinforce something with you. When it comes to receiving the exponential returns you want um, in life, right? Um, when it comes to investing in yourself and the time, the energy, the knowledge, all the things you want. I want to talk about like the work that takes because what I see from some people, not everyone, but some people who have a hard time reaching their goals is that they're operating from this mindset of minimal work and instant gratification. So they get limited returns. So if we made that into an equation, minimal work plus instant gratification or the expectation of instant gratification, you're going to get limited returns. Because you're not doing a lot of work, you're not making the sacrifices or the intention, making those intentional moves that you need to make, but you want the return like right away. You want that gratification right away. You're going to limit your return, right? Versus this other way, this other formula, this, this other method of, okay, let's take the minimal work, right? Let's just take the minimal work you need to do, but let's add on the extra work that you need to do, right? That extra stuff that people are not willing to do, that extra quote unquote sacrificed, which if it's aligned work, it's not really sacrifice. So when you get aligned with your goals, 
you not going out to eat when, you know, before that was a sacrifice is actually not considered a sacrifice in your mind anymore. It's considered this is what I need to do to get to what I need. Like it's almost like it motivates you even more as you see you make progress to your goals. So the minimal work plus the aligned slash extra work plus delayed gratification gives you exponential returns. And so if you can actually put off some of the things that you're wanting to do, and let's get over this like YOLO and, you you know, who knows if you wake up tomorrow kind of thought process, because I think that's what drives people to then like do things that they want, right? Oh, I might die tomorrow. I'm just going to go spend this money here now. Or you can't take it with you when you go, which, you know, yes, it's true, right? But let's assume that that's not going to happen, right? You're going to be here. You're going to wake up tomorrow, God willing, right? Then you can have even more of the return that you want to see. You can have even more gratification than you ever could have imagined if you just delay it for a while. So it's not that you can't have the car you want or the house you want or travel. It's just that if you do those things right now and today in your current situation, you cut off the return, you cut off the exponential things you want in your life later down in the road versus if you put in the work now, you quote unquote sacrifice now that you ultimately get what you want further down the line. And it doesn't need to be something that happens 10 years from now, which is why I stress enjoying the journey on your way. But the car, the house or whatever lifestyle that you really and ultimately want, you can have, but you can have it in such a way that it's, it blows your mind. But it's just that it, it, you just might have to delay that gratification just for a little bit. All right. So I want to end there. I hope you enjoyed this Q&A episode. I really enjoyed uh, talking to you guys like this, really casual. And if you want, again, the episode show notes, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 100. And also, so Doors to the Launch Club are currently closed. That's the membership community for journeyers who really want to take what they're, what they're learning and getting from this podcast to the next level. But you can get on the wait list because I will be opening up the door soon and people on the wait list will get just early access. Actually, um, they're going to get just a little bonus by being on the list. So go to journeytolaunch.com slash launch club to basically check it out, sign up, and I hope to see you on the list. Otherwise, until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.